Bienvenue, Konnichiwa, Ni Hao, Jambo, Marhaba. It's time for another uh, Amish Inquisition on this fine day, Sunday, the 6th of February 2022. I'm Amish Phil. I'm Amish Ben. I'm Amish Matt. And we've got Kaylee Doering with us from uh, the History with Kaylee YouTube channel. How are you doing, Kaylee? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. Good to have you, and good to have you with your eyes as well. (laughs) (laughs) We were just uh, talking about some of the. well, some of the sort of less um, uh, less uh, nice tactics that the Inquisition used to use when it comes to flaying and gouging eyes out and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it, it got the job handy. done, didn't it? It did get the job done. <laughs> Thankfully, we've moved on from that sort of uh, scenario now. So it's lovely to have you here, and uh, we share a love of ancient history. Yeah, why don't, yeah, why don't you do. tell us a bit about how you got into it all and why you started your channel? Ooh, how I started my channel. Well, um, it goes back a long way ago. Um, back in 2012, I had a surgery and they removed my tailbone, which isn't a fun thing to do. Um, and I became unable to work due to nerve damage. So I was always at home. And after a couple of years feeling not too good about myself, I eventually decided to spend my time productively because I do love history and I did study architecture back in the day. So I combined the love of the two and I started researching ancient structures and decided to make a video and I got sold. And I was completely addicted after making one video and now I am running a channel nearly two years. <laughs> and it's it's incredibly successful, you know, in two years. You've yeah. just you've just knocked over fifty thousand subscribers. I, I, I got fifty six just now. Wow. <laughs> fifty six thousand. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I was looking at your your some of your more recent videos and a lot of the more recent ones seem to be more focused in sort of anthropology. You've been looking at Denisovans and DNA and sort of the roots of rather than like the megalithic architecture and pyramids and and that sort of stuff, looking more closely to humans and where we came from and and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I made one video about like uh, a hypothesis on, well, there was a study done on Neanderthals and the fact that they had deforested in quite a large area in Germany. And I was like, hmm, why would you deforest a large area? It could be like for letting um, uh, grazing animals like into it, and that, that would be easier for hunting. And then I thought, yeah, but it could also have been for like a very rudimentary form of agriculture or like farming. Because if you drop a seed, it will grow. And of course, Neanderthals were at least intelligent enough to understand that basic skill or basic fact. So I made that video and the response was so 
massively positive about that video that I thought, okay, let's do another sort of Neanderthal video. And that one did amazing as well. And I was like, okay, I'll shift the focus of the channel towards human evolution for a while and see how it goes. So yeah, that's the beauty of history with Kaylee. I can grab all facets of history. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're not bit. tied, are you? You're not tied to one one sort yeah. of subject. Like, how, like how? It's my, it, it, the personal passion is like the ancient structures, but when c- compared to like what people want to see and what I like to make, there is of course a difference. So I'm currently like balancing that a little bit. Sort of one for you, then one for the subscribers, one for you, one for yeah. the subs. <laughs> a little bit like that, yeah. <laughs> cool. No, I'm like currently, I've, I've been spending the past five days working on a script about Homo erectus, and uh, it's going amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm using five days already. That's, that's taking quite a long time. <laughs> where, do, where do they sort of fit in in the timeline, Homo erectus? Um, Homo erectus is after the Australopithecines and before uh, the Neanderthals. So like near the end of Homo erectus was when the Neanderthals and Denisovans emerged. And then there's a group of Homo erectus that survived for longer in like Indonesia on the island of Java. So, yeah, that's I, I just discovered that about. 120,000 years ago, there was still Homo erectus living on Java. I didn't know that. That's really recent. (laughs) I mean, it's not. It's not that recent, is it? It's 120,000 years ago. Compared to, like, the the human tree of life and evolution, yeah, that's really young. (laughs) Well, I suppose, how long have humans been around, do you think? Um... It's that's a tough one because the fossils in Morocco suggest that that we've been here for about three hundred thousand years, and then there are the fossils from Ethiopia that suggest that we've been here for at least two hundred and thirty-five thousand years. So somewhere in between that, I think that Homo sapiens have been around. It's not going back much further than three hundred thousand. I I don't I don't think that's possible. I mean, it's difficult. I mean, Graham Hancock always says things just keep getting older, and and if you, if you Thank went you. if you went back a hundred and years or two hundred years, they probably well they would have said four thousand BC was how when we started. But you know, it, this has been a gradual. There's been sort of a gradual extending of our of human history, hasn't there? The problem that most people have is that they think that Homo sapiens are like the ones that invented everything. And that's why we are who we are. And that's why we're technological advanced and all that stuff. But that's not necessarily the case. Homo erectus started about 1.8 million years ago, and they were the first to create stone tools to master fire. They were the first to have like, Um, A societal structure, they hunted together in groups, Um, they cared for their sick. They already did that 1.8 million years ago. So that Graham Hancock says that things keep getting older, yes, just not necessarily with Homo sapiens. We're the last chapter in this book because beyond us, there's nothing new yet. There's nothing evolved yet. But before us came a lot that already 
did a lot. So that's I, I created a video about like Neanderthal intelligence because people think that they were just dumb, brute cavemen. They were absolutely intelligent. They invented glue. Like <laughs> they invented glue from birch bark and they used it to fasten their um, flint spears or the, the, the flint tools to like the spears and stuff. Wow. I've seen it in the museum in uh, Leiden, which was the um, Dutch Museum of Antiquities, Rijksmuseum der Oudheden. And I went there and I just saw that piece of, it was like an, uh, a spear point with like a blackish layer on top. And then they made one like recently to show what it would have looked like. And it was just, you know, used to glue the point to the spear. To the, to the shaft it was insane like they were so intelligent and it's yeah i mean things keep getting older if we look at it the right way they were intelligent and we're just you know the newest creation i think yeah do you, do you think the early humans maybe borrowed techno or learnt or stole technologies from neanderthals denisovans yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that modern humans, or like Homo sapiens, I think they learned a lot from the Denisovans and the Neanderthals and like the basics of it. I think we all got that from them because we came in in Europe while they were already living here. And then suddenly we took over. I think that my personal hypothesis is that Homo sapiens were able to um, have faster offspring so that we had, like, it was easier for us to mate and have a new child born that just went faster than, like, Neanderthals because the, the group of Neanderthals was never really large, not compared to Homo sapiens. Like, we eventually took over because we just kept reproducing at such a high rate. I think that's why... Homo sapiens won that sort of race. Not necessarily because we were any better. We just reproduced faster and then we took over. Because, I mean, for every two Neanderthals that were born, I think like 10 or 20 Homo sapiens were born. And if you put that over time of like five or 10,000 years, yeah, we, we take over. Wow. Do you think, I mean, <laughs> what could be the sort of factors that would allow us humans to outbreed neanderthals and denisovans would there be a shorter gestation period or is it a i think that we were just more what? fertile i think that we were more fertile our women right. because like men men can like do uh, i mean one man can uh, make multiple women pregnant in one day but you need to have a woman being able to get pregnant and i think that the fer uh, fertility rate in Neanderthal women, I personally think that that rate was lower. So that's why I, th I think we outbred them, just to say it like harsh. <laughs> I mean, one of the things yeah. um, that, that we've talked about before is about how uh, what, what's quite unique about humans is the fact that we're, we're so helpless for, for sort of the first two years of our lives compared to other mammals, whereas, you know, a deer or a whatever, it has to be on its feet and running rapid yeah. otherwise it's prey and i'm just yeah. wondering if maybe that was if there was a component there with neanderthals and denisovans maybe they were 
maybe they weren't able to look after the young as as uh, as well as I human. do know that with Homo erectus, their uh, babies were more like apes, so they were a lot more. Um, where indeed our our children take like two or three years before they can learn some basics. With Homo erectus, it seems that their babies were a lot more, like, how do you say that? Wow, um, bilingual problems. Um, <laughs> one sec, I need to, like, translate this because that's not going to work in my brain. <laughs> Independent, wow, okay. I, I, my, my brain functions. I hadn't even looked it up. <laughs> oh, my God. No, um, the, the, the young of, like, the Homo erectus seem to be more independent on, like, faster just like with apes, um, we do see with apes, the, the great apes, like I'm not talking about monkeys, uh, like apes, apes, the hominids, they, they're young, they do tend to be with their mom for a while, but it doesn't take two and a half or three years. It's shorter, a lot shorter. And those young will already be able to like uh, hold stone tools and like the basics they get taught from a very young age. It's just, you know, they can grab their mom to like be safe so they can eventually like early on grab other things. And, you know, they yeah. just develop faster than our babies. Absolutely. And with Homo that, erectus, they found that to be the case. Do you think the uh, shorter gestation period then for modern humans is sort of almost, <laughs> they're not ready yet? So yeah, yeah every, so, yeah. every human's born premature. Mm. Yeah. Because of the, the size of the birth canal and the skull. Yeah, seems essentially. I mean, that seems like a disadvantage Yeah, um, for it humans is, over, over Neanderthals and Denisovans, etc. Numbers, though. But probably because, Pure numbers. Of the, probably because of the fact that the gestation period was shorter, we were able to, like, have more of them. So even though like the the um, uh, death rate or uh, mortality rate of infants was high on both like the sides of Homo sapiens and Neanderthals, we produced so many of these infants. So that even though the mortality rate was like around the same scale, there they had less. So comparatively, they had more that died. Yeah, like the loss was bigger. Yeah. Yeah, it's finally balanced sort of thing, and it's just these sort of you can play these sort of historical what ifs, you know, what would have happened if if X, Y, and Z, you know, uh, roles were reversed and we were living in a Denisovan yeah. world now. It's quite crazy, really. I mean, how? Yeah. Let's, let's take one. Let's say the Denisovans. I mean, how sophisticated were they? Well, it's with that's that's like the massive one of the massive issues that we do have is that um, the Denisovans we know most of them from like the cave in Russia and some places in China, uh, like Nepal, Tibet area, I think. Um, I'm trying to get a hold, <laughs> I'm really trying to get a hold of a Denisovan expert, like she's like lead author of many papers and. Oh, my last video or like two videos ago, I, I made it known that I really want to interview her on my channel. She finally got back to me on Twitter, but she's not yet agreed. So just fingers <laughs> crossed. But yeah, I, I want to have her on because she is an expert when it comes to Denisovans. And like, I'm not. 
I can research them from the papers that I can read, but even then, there is some jargon in there that I will never be able to understand. Like, I didn't study this. I, I can talk about it for as much as I can, but my intelligence has a cap on it. <laughs> I'm still a blonde woman from the Netherlands. Oh. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I read somewhere. Did they not find sort of... Um find them with associated grave goods and jewelry and, and stuff like that. Were they, were they Possible, into art? Yeah, they, they did find like jewelry pieces in the cave, in the, the uh, Denisova cave in Russia. And they come from the layer of sediment that is attributed to the time where, the, when the Denisovans were living there. So they do seem to be from the Denisovans. And I know that Samantha Brown, the expert, also has like a paper on uh, Denisovan tools and their culture, which is like one of my upcoming videos that I'm going to work on. But that's why I, I, I'm trying to like interview her to get like, you know, the scoop of things. I want uh, I want the expert to tell me her and share her knowledge with me because I can read about it and I can understand it. But having an expert share her knowledge with me will make me understand it so much better and then make that come across to the viewer as a lot more easier to digest, I think. Because it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, understand some of this stuff. It's difficult. Yeah, well, some of the language that's, well, I think you hinted on it, some of the terminology and the language that's yeah. used in these um, sort of very specialised archaeological papers, <clears throat> they, they require a lot of background knowledge just to be able to, attempt to yeah. make sense of them um it's yeah. like um i was watching did you see randall was on joe rogan it, it came out today I, I i saw like 10 minutes and then i had to like run already because i'm still i need to finish this script because it's already taking me five days and that's not good but <laughs> i was planning on listening to it later tonight yeah yeah i've only, I've only got about 45 minutes through it uh, i'm gonna finish it tomorrow but it's the same with him. He has to keep, he's talking about mainly been talking about the younger dry ass impacts thing yeah. and the geological implications. And he has to keep stopping and explaining these different terms like isostatic depression and God knows what else, because yeah. it's just so, um, so sort of specialized, isn't it? This is yeah. part of the problem, I guess we, as a lay, lay person like myself is what this is why we need people like yourself yeah. putting content out that's easy to access and uh, for like, a wider audience. Yeah, like a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about the fact that with Denise events that the nuclear DNA and the mitochondrial DNA showed different results. And then everyone in the comments was like, DNA can't give us the answers. And I'm like, no, no, no. Then there's a reason why nuclear DNA is different from mitochondrial DNA. So like in my last video, I explained mitochondrial DNA is from the maternal line, can only be passed down from the mother. So that's a female line. Right. No males, only females have that. And nuclear DNA comes from both. So with the uh, Denisovan-Neanderthal hybrid, that girl, we can see that her mom was a full Neanderthal, 100%, because there was only Neanderthal DNA in the mitochondrial DNA, like only Neanderthal genomes. So we know mom was full Neanderthal. And the nuclear DNA showed that it was part Denisovan, part Neanderthal. 
that comes from both. So we can see, like, look at the percentages, and we can see that the father of this child was a full Denisovan. So she was the very first generation hybrid that we've ever discovered. She's called uh, Dennis. Yeah, it's it's amazing because I mean, think about it. How 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 would you just? But if I just tell you that nuclear DNA and mitochondrial DNA can show different results and not explain what the difference is, then people are like, oh, you can't trust DNA. No, you I you see. can't trust DNA because of the beauty of the fact that mitochondrial DNA can only be passed down by the females. So yeah. Like, I got mitochondrial DNA. <laughs> Y'all don't. <laughs> it's like, it's like the Sangreal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, isn't it? Yeah, tracing yeah, the bloodline from Jesus and Mary Magdalene through to yeah. the House of Stuart. <laughs> That's for another podcast. Though. That's for another podcast, though, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, on a, I'm on a bit of a binge of Holy Grail stuff at the minute. It's wild. It's oh, absolutely fine. wild. It's a cold winter. That's <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> what sort of stuff do you, what sort of stuff do you read, Kaylee? When apart from uh, scientific papers on Denisovans, I don't read anything anymore. No. <laughs> it's either history stuff for the channel, or I just don't read. If I want to like turn my brain off, I watch a TV show or I watch a movie from back in the day that I already know because my brain is too tired to even like see something new <laughs> i can't focus <laughs> you know i like a couple of weeks ago i watched forrest gump <laughs> just for fun <laughs> i was doing my nails and i was like oh what, what am i gonna watch i need something in the background that i already know but when i look up i just want to be like oh hey fun forrest gump <laughs> hit the bill <laughs> I suppose, I suppose it can get quite a quite. I suppose it can get quite over overwhelming, really, because yeah. you know you people are expecting you to come out with new material all the time, and you've got to yeah. not only think of the ideas and the subject matter, but then pile all the research into it. Do you feel yep. that like a, a sense of pressure or obligation doing it? Absolutely, absolutely, and especially now, like um, when I started the channel, I lived with a guy that I was with since 2012. Um, We were in the middle of renovating a house when I started the channel. I mean, great timing on my part. Oh, let's start a channel while I'm just renovating a house. (laughs) Not not a good idea. Um, But then over time, I started putting more energy into the channel and people started to respond to it. And then I saw that it was working and growing and hey, perfect. And last summer, I saw that it was really starting to take off a little bit. And then my relationship was just, I mean, going down the drains. And in October, um, I ended the relationship with him. Uh, And my channel went sort of viral in September. So that quickly happened. Uh, My grandma passed away in September as well, late September. And yeah, my life changed. And now I feel more pressure to create because I used to receive disability pay from the surgery that I had. I'm not getting disability pay anymore because I earned too much with YouTube. So they put that on hold. (laughs) So now I feel extra pressure because I need to do, I need to make money to be able to live on my own. I'm currently living with my grandpa because as I said, my grandma just passed away and I needed a place to live for a bit. 
But yeah, I can have uh, an apartment within like a month from now and move and need to pay rent. And I'm, I'm very scared. <laughs> it's become your livelihood. I, then. I have a little bit of anxiety sometimes. <laughs> Just a little bit, you know? Yeah. So that's also why I made the shift to um, hominids. And everyone's like, you know that there's a difference between hominin and hominid? No. Yes, I do. I don't. Oh, what's, what's the difference? I'm, I'm going to make a video about it. But right. uh, hominids with the D at the end, are like all great apes. So humans, gorillas, and chimpanzees, great apes. And hominins are only the human line and not the gorilla and chimp line. So uh, okay. hominins is from Australopithecines all the way to us. Wow. And hominids is everything. So yeah, there's a, there's a difference, and some people are like, "You do know the difference." I know you're blonde, and I'm like, "Yeah, I know." I'm going to talk about that, <laughs> but I can say hominids when talking about all great apes, because it's the official right term, and I named the channel of the the playlist for this hominids because I want to talk about other great apes as well and why they come from a different line than us humans where that split happened between where did the hominin start in the hominid line yeah I think that's a good thing to like talk about because not everyone understands that well definitely I mean we we didn't understand it and if anyone's yeah. giving you shade for for not not knowing that they're the people who do know it and i i just assume they're old crusty professors with nothing better to do with the time than than comment on on your channel but that's the thing people always people always assume that like the people with knowledge are like these stuffy old professors and stuff (laughs) and i went to sweden i went to sweden to uh my sister because she works at the university of Uppsala. she's a paleontologist she looks at like dinos and vertebrae and like all that stuff excellent would she be interested in doing a podcast (laughs) (laughs) she might for real right. <laughs> she's starting a channel soon yeah. because well, of me <laughs> we'll get all oh, right let's let's get her people to talk to our people then yes yeah <laughs> and yeah. um well i'll send some details over later <laughs> but uh, i went there and i met with her boss who was a professor per alberg who i've also interviewed on my channel twice now he's an older professor He's not stuffy. (laughs) It was a Friday afternoon and she was not supposed to necessarily work that day, but there was a thing that happened. So I told her, you go work and I'll just be here, you know? And then Professor Albert came into her office and asked me, you want to like go to my office and just talk for a little bit? And I'm like, sure. Why not talk to a professor? You don't do that every day. So I went to his office and we spoke for like two and a half hours on his work day while he was supposed to do other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we spoke about everything from like megalithic structures to human evolution and like just everything in between. It was awesome. And then someone came into the office and was like, uh, Professor Albert, are, are you going to do this, this and that still this afternoon? And he looked at his watch and it's like, oof, it's 4.30. <laughs> I'm going to get to work right now. <laughs> So yeah, I was a bad influence, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Well, there's yeah. some of the, we're, we're fascinated with this sort of stuff, and it's like yeah, um, me too. I, it just um, <clears throat> I probably came across Randall Carlson about do you say about 2012? That about 10 years ago. Uh, yeah. I'm probably sort of on a similar sort of journey because I think it was around that time that he was first on Joe Rogan or Grand America. And uh, I, I did see like America. his first podcast with Joe Rogan. I remember that because I've been watching the Joe Rogan experience for many years. Like, of course, there are some years that I don't necessarily watch it often. And sometimes it's only because of the guest. But there was a few years that I just watched every episode, like religiously. And I, I remember seeing uh, Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock, I think they, they did a podcast, like the two of them with Joe Rogan. Yep. It was amazing. I loved it. I had so much fun watching that one. And I'm like, do this more often. Thank you. Like once a year, at least yeah. <laughs> people want this. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I, I sort of drifted away from him a few years ago because there was, there was just too many sort of, there was a lot of comedians and MMA fighters and yeah. stuff and things that I wasn't particularly yeah. interested in. Whereas I loved it when he got sort of alternative history explorers on, and, and he's he's had a yeah. you know he's had um, Randall's on today. He had Jimmy again, uh, Jimmy from Bright Insight recently. Yeah, I was just thinking like it's it's just such a great time um, if you're interested in these subjects. You know, when I first got on YouTube, maybe about the same time, maybe ten years ago, I think Brian Forrester, Forrester was about then. Yeah. I seem to remember yeah. remember him being around, and Randall had some material up there about, uh, I think it's that um, Cosmic Cycles and Catastrophes uh, series he had on. Uh, but now, yeah. I mean, there are just so many amazing content creators on YouTube doing alternative history popping up all yeah. the time. I mean, you just sort of spoke for choice with the... Uh, A little bit, stuff. yeah. That's why I try to not necessarily look too much into the alternative side, but I always try to see what the science tells us and then you know what could be possible when just focusing on the science part of it and like i have a personal hypothesis that i don't necessarily talk about much yet i've been working on it for a year year and a half almost um but i can tell the gist of it because if someone like now runs with this idea i've got three other people that can say no 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 no, 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 no. This is stolen. Mm. So yeah, no. Um, I have a personal hypothesis, and it goes. It does tie into like Graham, ha Graham Hancock and things that are getting older. When looking at Gobekli Tepe, we can see that eleven thousand six hundred years ago it got covered. So it's yeah. most likely older than that. But we do know at the onset of the Younger Dryas, it was covered. It was um, protected. <clears throat> let's just keep it at that but then we have a gap of approximately six ish thousand years at the very least before the next megalithic structures are being built and we have a gap of at least seven thousand years before a lot of the megalithic structures got built where do i get the so uh, the so like we have in Ireland, we have the megalithic structures and they go from, I'm not sure if I'm like mirrored or anything, but they go from west to east in Ireland. The megalithic structures in Sligo are older than the megalithic structures 
on the East Coast with like Newgrange and North. They're younger than the Sligo structures. Mm-hmm. Goran Budehult was an archaeologist from Sweden, and he went to Karomor Megalithic Cemetery, and he did excavations and research on like the dolmens and Listogil, the uh, burial chamber, like the, the, the portal tomb, because it did not have a passage. It was a portal tomb with a dolmen inside in the middle. Tomb number four of the Karamore Megalithic Cemetery came up with a date from <clears throat> 6,000 BCE, which is 8,000 years ago. Other archaeologists contested that, so they did more uh, research and more radiocarbon dating, and they all came back at like 5,900, 5,800 years ago, and then one of like 4,000 and 600-ish years ago. And so all other archaeologists contested the oldest dates, and they accepted the 4,000. So they say tomb number four, dolmen number four, is the oldest um, dolmen in the entirety of the United Kingdom, which is also officially the oldest dolmen in the entirety of Europe, which is insane, because it's on the west coast of ireland furthest away of everything else in like europe (laughs) what but i don't believe in the 4000 bce number i believe in the 6000 bce number because that correlates much more with gobekli tepe because then the gap between 11600 and 8,000 years ago is only like three-ish thousand years. That seems more plausible. So I went to look into things and their dates more. And then I thought to myself, what if there is a cataclysmic event that happens tomorrow and we all get wiped away and all our technology is lost and everything that we have is gone? humans survive and in two or three thousand years we get to this technological stage again we get advanced again and we do um, excavations at for instance Newgrange and they come up with a date of 1965-67 AD because it got reconstructed it got completely dug out and they built it again so Now it's constructed in 1965 or 67. They can't date it to be any older. So my personal hypothesis is, what if all these megalithic structures that we have excavated are reconstructions of earlier built megalithic structures? (laughs) Love it. They could even like the predate and they could even be like made of wood first for Mm -hmm. thousands of years continuously. And then eventually they decided we're now going to build them from stone and then they got reconstructed in stone. Upgrades. But you cannot tell me that this is a weird hypothesis. I even spoke to it uh, with Professor Alberg and he did indeed agree that it is a plausible theory. It is a plausible hypothesis. I do need to work on it a lot more, and my focus hasn't been on it. But that's my personal hypothesis, that things are indeed older, and we're just looking at reconstructions of older megalithic buildings. 
I mean, we, yeah. s- we see it all over the world, particularly with sacred sites. That the, the same yeah. sites get built on over and over again, and the, the same materials are reused. You know, the, the Christians yeah. in, the, in late antiquity, the Christians ripped down all the um, polytheistic temples and then used that masonry to build the, the churches and the monasteries and all the rest of it. So, I mean, it's, it seems yeah. ent- t- entirely plausible. It's, it's not a weird suggestion that we're just looking at reconstructions. And I'm not necessarily saying that all of them will be reconstructions, but when I look at that dolmen in County Sligo on Meg- uh, Carrowmore Megalithic Cemetery, it is old. It, you can just see when you look at the stones, it is really old. It's been there on the west coast of Ireland. Beyond it is the Atlantic Ocean, and if you know anything, I mean, you guys are from the UK. <laughs> Wind from the ocean, it's not fun. It batters and um, it ruins everything in, like, in its path. And uh, I don't think it's limestone because by the time that, I mean, by the time that we are living right now, there won't be much left of the stone. So I don't think it's limestone that they've used. I'm not sure which type of stone it is, but like with the sarsen stones of Stonehenge, we can see that they will degrade over time. In, I think, less than 100,000 years, there will be nothing left of the sarsen stones because they're just, they're, they're going to completely disappear, I think. Yeah. Just like with, uh, like that's how cave systems usually get created. It's limestone, it gets dissolved over time, and then we have like these uh, openings and passages and underground rivers because yeah. the rainfall just eats through the limestone, gets inside, and then it creates underground rivers and cave systems and whatever. So there are s- some stones that are used in megalithic structures that I don't see last for very long. Long, I mean, a hundred thousand years is long, but (laughs) in the scope and the timeline of like a stone and their lifetime, that's not long. So, yeah, but yeah, my my personal hypothesis is that after Gobekli Tepe, we kept building. It's just that every time it like collapsed, and then we reconstructed it and did that over and over again. That's yeah, because when you when you take away the stones you also take away the soil on which those stones were put. And then when you place them again, when you radiocarbon date the soil underneath the stone, it comes up with the date of the reconstruction and not older. Yeah, we, we can't, this is one of the issues with radiocarbon dating is we can't, as far as I know, we can't accurately carbon date stone or date yeah. when the stones were cut. We have to rely on the biological exactly. material directly underneath, and that means that yeah. a stone could have been used in three different temples, 3,000 yeah. years apart, for all we know. Yeah. The only date, sort of reliable date we seem to be able to get is the last placement, yeah. and we assume that exactly. that is the last placement for no good yeah. reason, just because yeah. we have to, because that's the only exactly. choice we have, isn't it? Yeah, and that's wow. that's why I think that the hypothesis that I have does have some merit. I mean, it's not just, ah, you know, I'm going to just say something and roll with it. No, I really think that this is the case with at least parts of, of like, at least some of them. Some of these structures, I do believe, are reconstructions. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense to me. I find it difficult to understand how anyone could argue against that. I know it's plausible, which is 
fine but uh... yeah with me like i told it to my sister who is the paleontologist and i mean she has a master's degree and she looks at me and she said yeah it's plausible yeah now you need to do the work yeah because she's not going to take me serious otherwise because she tells me you now need to do everything in your power to discredit your hypothesis because that is science people think that scientists just come up with a hypothesis and that's it no Real science is then doing everything in your power to discredit yourself, then getting your peers in, let them look at your work, have them do everything in their power to discredit your work. And then when it still holds up, it's a plausible hypothesis, (laughs) which can take like two, three, four, five years. (laughs) I don't expect to be done soon with this hypothesis it's going to take me some years before i really finalize it but yeah i do feel like that's the case i mean it, it is quite nuts that the, the sort of the the next oldest stone structure after gebekli tepe we have is on the west coast of ireland i mean that's an enigma in itself that tells yeah. me that we're missing huge chunks of the story because you would, you, you would expect if we if we if we take our sort of our our landing, our sort of initial theory is that Gebekli Tepe was maybe the first megalithic structure and agricultural society. If we if we take that as a basis, we would expect it to sort of just splurge out from there into different regions, wouldn't you? You wouldn't expect the well, next site to be on the other side of Europe. Like, they probably did, but, I mean, <clears throat> let's see it like this. In Ireland, we have a lot of trees and a lot of green. And even then, we had a lot of trees and a lot of green. So the people living there could make shelter of the trees and the green, and they had everything they needed to live a comfortable life. Hunter-gatherers or farmers, doesn't matter. Around Turkey, the soil is completely different. The environment there is completely different. So there are less trees, there's less green, so... Only around the rivers would you have that. Yep. When you use stone, you would smash the stone to help you create a shelter. Or like this, the bases of or like the base of your shelter would probably be of stone. And then over time, when that culture disappears or moves away and another culture comes in, they would then take those stones and create their structures. And then another comes in and they you know? So in like Two, three thousand years, there's no evidence of anything from before because it all got used again by others. So I think that's why we don't see anything there necessarily. And we do know that the um, Gobekli Tepe is only one of the 12 Tastapeller sites. Like, I didn't know that up until uh, recently when ancient architects decided I'm going to become Master Tepe and I'm going to tell you everything there is to know about all the Tepe sites. I coined him Master Tepe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still not sure if he likes it or not, but we've become friends a little bit in like the past couple months. So I just, if he doesn't like it, Matt, I'm sorry, but you're just Master Tepe now. (laughs) Other people have been using it, so I'm just going to keep bullying him with it but yeah no he's he's like the the guy that now tells us everything that there is to know about all these tepicides that i didn't even know existed up until recently 
So it, it wasn't even just Gobekli Tepe. It was um, Karahan Tepe. And, 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 and then there's like, you have like the oldest possible city on earth, which is Kataloyuk, and not oh, yeah. Uruk in Iraq. Because Kataloyuk, I think, has dates older than the oldest dates of Uruk in Iraq. And I'm like, um, this just shows that my hypothesis is probably right. <laughs> At least 90% of it, that we do have some evidence for it. It's, you mentioned Uruk there. It's quite interesting that once we get to sort of ancient Mesopotamia, to Uruk, uh, yeah. Akkad, those sort of areas, we de- from there onwards, we seem to have a fairly stable yeah. basis of a timeline <laughs> Yeah, but that's because of the emergence of writing. Yeah. That just, I mean, you can't argue with writing. And like the oldest dates of Uruk are from 4000 BCE, which is like 7,600-ish years from Gobekli Tepe. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense in my mind. Like, I do believe the dates, and I do believe that Uruk is the oldest city-state and the where civilization as we know it evolved and comes from. That I do believe, without a doubt. Because everything that we have in our society started there. Yeah. The writing, the law, you name it, it started there. So that I do believe. Because there's like a civilization, it is the oldest city-state, and life as we know it started there. But before that, they did live in communities like Kataloyuk in Turkey. It's just not necessarily seen as an official city-state because it had no writing. So it can be the start of civilization. But it had most, if not everything else, they had a sort of... I mean, if you live in a place like Kataloyuk, and it's quite big, I do think that you had a way to like feed everyone, which does not suggest that you're, you were a hunter-gatherer lifestyle <laughs> or society. It does show that you had a way to probably produce food and therefore was able to feed everyone. Yeah, provide, provide a surplus, yeah. which allows you to have trained craftsman skills rather than just everyone being focused on the production of food you know living hand to mouth you need you need to produce a surplus before you can start building massive stone structures and that's why that that neanderthal farming video of 125,000 years ago like yeah it could have possibly been a rudimentary form of farming and we could have been doing that for like at least 100,000 years or so Because there's a difference in agriculture like we see today, mass production and planting seeds on purpose because you saw that the plants grow that you need. Mm -hmm. That is still a rudimentary form of agriculture. Mm -hmm. You did grow that plant on purpose. That's kind of the basics of it. So, yeah, we've been probably been doing all of that much longer it's just that in uruk they started to write (laughs) what they were doing and the historians look at that and they say okay we can at least pinpoint the start of our current civilization to uruk that's where that everything started it's just that some things are 
older and predated. Yeah. Do you think part of the reason we have this gap between the start of our civilization in in Mesopotamia and say Gebekli Tepe is that maybe we had some resets in between, sort of Santorini style cataclysms I, that put us back? Yeah. I do feel like that I mean, the younger Dryas itself didn't really help us. <laughs> then we have like Doggerland. Uh, that, you know, eventually got submerged mm -hmm. <laughs> because, you know, the entire climate from the start of the Younger Dryas to approximately 7,000-ish years ago completely changed. Mm -hmm. We went through a mini ice age that doesn't necessarily help certain developments. I, I think you go back to, like, the basic survival instincts for a while there. So yeah, I think that's sort of a reset. Plus, after the Younger Dryas ended and the water started rising, that has an effect on climatic conditions and the environment and what plants grow where, and then Doggerland got submerged. That also changed everything, I think. And meanwhile, the climate was still changing. So we, instead of us being able to develop skills, we were still surviving in survival method mode, you know? Like, there's a... I come from not a fun home life, you know? I didn't have a fun childhood. So I know what it's like to be in survival mode and being able to develop. There's a very clear... The distinct difference between the two. Me in survival mode is a completely different person than me being able to develop skills and live life and enjoy things. Absolutely. You can't enjoy things while you're in survival mode. You're just busy surviving. Yeah. There's no room for anything else. And especially in your childhood, that's hard because, I mean, you have to go to school and learn things and you can't remember that. And now that I'm 30, I look back and I'm like, I, I, I don't remember much of my childhood, which shows that I was in survival mode for a long time, because otherwise you can remember that. Yeah. You can remember when you first ride your bike or what it, I, I, I don't know. I have people come up to me and they tell me, oh, we had such a good time when you were like uh, seven. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember that, but. Me in like my teens, when I was like developing skills and stuff and able to do that, I can remember everything from that time. I'm the one calling friends, telling them, remember when we did? And they're like, no, I don't, because they were in survival mode. Everyone goes through survival mode at least once or twice in their life. It's just that you, when you get older, you learn that you were in survival mode because you don't know at the time. So yeah, no, we, we probably were reset and in survival mode as humans for a long time. I mean, many the, generations. The uh, the younger Dryas climatic catastrophe, if you want to call it that, I think mm -hmm. it may be, it maybe did us a favor in some ways because, yeah, although it probably wiped out a large percentage of the human population, it also yeah. wiped out a lot of our natural predators and the large, you know, cats, saber-toothed cats and whatever. And maybe that, that, maybe that just opened up a little niche for humans yeah. to become dominant. 
I, I, I think you're absolutely right there. I think that was a main, one of the massive reasons that we were able to develop into these advanced beings that we are today. Yeah. Because, I mean, what kind of predators do we have right now? We have lions, but they stick usually to an area. We have polar bears. They usually stick to an area. If you just don't live in their area, you're safe. You know, like elephants, they only attack when you're in their space. An elephant doesn't come to your space to attack you. They don't need to. They have their own living environment. So, like, when you look at all that, yeah, wolves. But even then, wolves are usually scared of humans. They go for, like, a sheep. It's us easier. encroaching into their space as well, like tigers in Indian villages. It's because the villages yeah. are expanding into tiger territory. Exactly. We're the animals that currently are like attacking us. Is it's not because they decided to come into our space. No, we are taking their living space, and they're like, um, I don't know, but like five years ago, I could cross this river and I could just kill like uh, a little. I don't know, animal there, and that was mine. And now suddenly there are like 50,000 homes here. And like, where's my river, guys? Like, <laughs> I used to go to school on this road. <laughs> I'm a tiger. <laughs> I used to go to tiger school here. <laughs> I'm not sure if you can hear that, but like, I'm in the middle of is a it, storm. Is it raining? Oh, is that rain? Fire. Uh, it's not. It's, it's hailing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's fun. I hate this country. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I really do I hope it's going east and not west yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, saw something I don't know if it's on your Instagram or Twitter that you're going on an, an expedition later in the year what's all that about? yes I am <laughs> um, uh, first Johanna asked me to be her plus one on her tour with NEXT in Egypt and I was like like, yes, <laughs> you can't say no to anything like that. And shortly after, NEXT contacted me and he said, I want to do a tour with you too. And I was like, ah, awesome, let's do it. And so we were actually planning to do it on January 2023. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, but wait, I'm already living in Egypt now with my family. You're already here with the Johanna tour. Ah, what do you think about being a month in Egypt and doing like two tours back to back with just a week in between of you being in a hotel. Wow. And I was like, how does a person say no to that? <laughs> <laughs> a month in Egypt. That's insane. You, you just have to say yes. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing a tour from October 5th until October 16th. And we're going to see amazing places. We are going to have a sunrise between the Sphinx's paws oh, on the very amazing. first morning. That's amazing. Wow. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, 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 I'm thrilled. I'm so excited. Like, there are no words. My life is about to change completely yeah. because of this YouTube journey. Yeah. And I'm in Malta uh, end of this month for well, a week and a half. Yeah, Malta, I mean, that's got some really yeah. ancient stuff going on, hasn't it? What, what, yeah. what, what's on your hit list for visiting in Malta? Uh, the Halsafini Hypogeum, the uh, Menidra Megalithic Temple Complex, and the 
I'm gonna. Oh, Laura's gonna hate me for this, but um, no, I can't say it. No, I am. I'm, I'm the next to Menaidra. There is another temple complex that I'm just not gonna name because I'm gonna butcher it, and she's gonna <laughs> pull me. And I'm not gonna give it to her. <laughs> no, but like, it's it's insane. She has a whole list. She, um, uh, Laura from Megalith Hunter, she's my friend through Instagram and she oh, now right. has a YouTube channel since a couple months and a Twitter. And yeah, she's like my go-to person when it comes to Maltese history, because she just knows it all. I do recommend her for this podcast as well. Cool. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, she invited me to come to Malta and then she's going to take me to sort of everything there is on Malta <laughs> and Gozo. So she's going to take me everywhere. She compiled a list. She's in contact with uh, Heritage Malta. So she, she compiled a list and she's going to try and give us like a private access. So without other tourists so that we can film and like have no tourists come in the screen or talk over things. So that can be like high quality stuff. And yeah, I'm extremely grateful for that, for her inviting me. I just needed to pay for my ticket, <laughs> like fly there, and then I can stay with her. That's so awesome. I bet there's a lot of uh, really good uh, medieval Knights Templar, Knights of Malta yeah. stuff to see over there. And I think the hospital is, I think, took over once once the, the Knights Templars left. I think the, the Knights Hospital has stayed on for quite a quite a long time afterwards. Yeah, yeah, somewhere I've never visited. I'd love to check out Malta. It's oh. like sort of still like entwined with the UK. Yeah, there's, there's some, it's, some it's, links. I'm not sure if it's like part of it. So I don't think necessarily that, but I do know that like Queen Elizabeth used to go to Malta a lot before she became queen. So Yeah, I think it's independent now. Um, yeah. But a lot of people speak English. I think English is... Mm. I think it's technically the the first language there still, um, but everyone uh, speaks Maltese as well. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I always dreamed of going there, and I'm, I'm just actually going to do it. In like two and a half weeks. Who am I? <laughs> What's yeah. uh, what other sites are you hitting in Egypt on the trip? Uh, let me grab the itinerary because I mean I am still like memorizing everything and like. Everything in my life currently is bit in uh, it's quite a long chaos mode. It's quite a long trip, <laughs> isn't it? It's nearly two weeks, so I'm, su- I'm yeah, sure you'll be getting in. You'll be getting in quite a few different sites there, but I guess a lot of them are so, quite far away, aren't they, from each other? Yeah, we're going to Saqqara to the Djoser Pyramid Complex. Uh, we're going to Dashur, the Serapeum, Luxor Temple, the Ramaseum. The Deir el Bahari, which is like the uh, uh, Temple of Hatshepsut at the Valley of the Kings. We're going to Abydos, Dendera, Karnak Temple, Luxor Museum, Etfu, Komombo, the unfinished obelisk of Hatshepsut, the Philae Temple, the Giza Plateau. We're going to have a private visit inside the Great Pyramid. And we're going to to the Cairo Museum with a four-night deluxe full-board Nile cruise included. Wow. Like amazing. It has everything you need to go to Egypt. Like there's nothing more that you can ask for. <laughs> How do you think you're going to feel when you first step inside the the Great Pyramid? I have absolutely no idea. I I think I'll be lost for words. 
And I'm going to do this tour like sort of twice, back to back. So I'm going to experience that twice. I have no idea. I think I'll be lost for words both times. <laughs> yeah. Like, how, how can you even talk? How can you even think? You're just, I, I think I'm just going to be amazed with everything that I see. And yeah, there will be no room for like thoughts. I'll just experience and be in the moment completely, I think. Yeah. Uh, it'll probably take a few days to sink in. You know, this. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'd be Which is also why he wanted me to do the tours back to back because he said the second time, in that week in between, you're like digesting the first tour, the first two weeks. And then he's going to be like, you're going to think that, oh, I should have filmed this or I should have gone there or I should have looked yeah. at this. And he said, then you can write that down because not even a week later, you're going to start another tour. You're going to visit it again. So you're going to be able to like make that footage, film it, look at it. Yeah. Well, it's going to be incredible. Absolutely. Mm. Well, Kaylee, we've, we've done an hour already. So, <laughs> yeah. It's time to let you go. <laughs> this was fun. It's, yeah, this was great. Thank you. Kaylee. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Um, Best Thank of luck you. with the with the two trips coming up. I hope they go really well. Thank you. And, um, uh, I hope so too. Yeah, check out the the links on the screen, eavesdroppers. The the YouTube channels there, and you can follow Kaylee. We'll put all the links in the show notes if you want to follow Kaylee on the Twitter, Instagram, and whatnot. It's good stuff. Yeah. I didn't even get to touch you about that board game. What was it? Tennis. Tennis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Sinet, like yeah. I, I loved it because it's su- it's such a sort of it's it's sort of not obscure is the wrong word but it's it's history that no one seems to cover you know about that, that yeah. ancient board game it, I really enjoyed that video so um, yeah, still- it was in my ancient inventions series where I was looking at like these weird inventions from ancient times yeah, yeah. so um, just stay on the line for us for one minute while we play ourselves out and. Um, Best of luck for uh, what's coming up. And uh, stay on the line, stream droppers and eavesdroppers. We're going to take a quick break for 10 minutes and then we'll be come back for some some news. Why not? Some news and some housekeeping. All right. Take care. See you soon. Drop! Right, then we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. Welcome to the apotheosis of uh, <laughs> episode two hundred and twelve. I just learned what that word means. What did it mean, Ben? It's the um, the, <laughs> the climax of something. <laughs> Ooh, not climax. Or culmination of culmination an idea. Culmination of, or isn't the the elevation of someone to god status as well? Apotheosis. Oh. Well, you didn't mention that. I read it, but I didn't mention it. Okay. Kept that back for the eavesdroppers. Well, that was our chat with Kaylee from History with Kaylee. That was good fun, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed Kaylee. Yeah. I like the old uh, anthropology. Yeah. I've watched a few of her videos. They are uh, interesting. I've learned some stuff. I learned something about um, some kind of Neanderthal temple made out of stalic mites. Not stalactites. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting. So there's some good stuff on our videos, I think. Yeah. Did they have butt flaps? <clears throat> what? The Neanderthals, did they have butt flaps? I have no idea what you mean. The loincloth, butt flap. 
I don't know. What did they have, like, Under Armour? They didn't say. Oh. She, All right. she didn't cover that. All right, okay. We'll ask next time. Answers on a postcard. Yeah, about the butt flaps. That's yeah, good. I enjoyed that one. Um, all the links are in the show notes if you want to uh, follow Kaylee and see what she's up to and check out her uh, her journeys, her journeying throughout Europe and uh, beyond North Africa, Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, do that. All the links are in the show notes, as per usual. <laughs> we got some um, some more censorship stuff happening this week. Oh. Uh, higher side chats, Discord got nuked. Um, mm. Those conspiracy guys have moved over to Gelded. Gilded. <laughs> Gilded. <laughs> uh, Macroaggressions Discord got nuked. They've moved to Gelded. And Again? <laughs> they've moved, they're moving to Gel- Gilded. No, all right. I thought it, it's gone. The macroaggressions Discord's gone. Yeah, sorry. I thought they'd started a new one on Discord, but no. Okay, they did start a new one um, because I think Helen got locked out of her account or something, right? Months ago, but no, the, it got destroyed. Discord destroyed okay. it and banned their accounts and stuff. And our link tree got got disappeared oh, this week. Yeah, yeah. so that about. I don't, know, I don't know how you even get reported on a link tree. <laughs> <laughs> Links to all of our misinformation. It would be nice to like get an email rather than yeah. have to rely on someone messaging us and saying, oh, by the way, your link tree doesn't work and your account's been terminated. Disqualified. <sighs> so we need an alternative. Yeah. We need an alternative for uh, link tree. Unless you've, unless you've already done it. Have either of you done it? No, I've not done it. I did have a look to see if there were any, but Linktree seems to be the most popular one. I think there are it's all my links, isn't there? But I started, I did half of it, and then you mentioned something else. Oh, I don't know. Well, we'll have a look. Fix that. Hmm. Okay. It doesn't cost anything, does it, Linktree? So I suppose yeah. they've got them. They just say they can do what they just want. Just time. Just my time. Yeah, well. Pulling it everywhere. That's value, doesn't it? Not anymore. It's gone. So, no. It's one of them, isn't it? Right, let's move on. Let's do some housekeeping. Keeping corning. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. This is a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. So lots of different ways of doing this. Word of mouth. If you know someone who's into ancient history, send them a link to this podcast and say, check it, check out this show with uh, History with Kaylee, Kaylee Deering. You might mm-hmm. find it interesting. Yeah, leave us a review if you enjoyed any of our podcasts, our chat with, um, with Kaylee, notwithstanding. And there's a Spotify as a rating system now. I think we're on board with that now. So you can give us a star rating if you listen on Spotify. Yeah. Um, what else? You could send us some show artwork uh, of any pixel density, as long as it's a square format. It fits our um, our screen. We've got a submission here from Lee. Came in today. Lee from the Big Conspire over on the Discord. I shall reveal it now. Here it comes. Oh, it's it's like a uh, 
kind of comic style artwork, which we've not seen before, um, for these droppers. Um, it has a <laughs> like a in the is that a Neanderthal chap on the right? Is it Neanderthal or Dennis Oven? I think because of Ginger the red head. with the red hair, I'm going to say Dennis Oven. A Dennis Oven chap on the right. There are some um, monoliths in the background, like a stone circle of sorts on a hill. Um, there's a female character. I don't know where she's from. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Oven, perhaps I don't know. Are we not? To- are we not talking? About- I think this is a Neanderthal and a human. Basically. Ah, okay. Oh, this is the the hybrid. They're gonna yeah. make, they're gonna make a hybrid because you look at the way she's looking at him. Ah, the hybrid was. A fee- I think that might be her dad. <laughs> Could be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's an age gap. Yeah. So thanks for that, Lee. I've uh, I've got my own submission here, which I shall reveal in three, two, one, go. Here it comes. That's got a TIE fighter on it. <laughs> wow, I didn't notice that. It does look like a TIE fighter. It's actually the Antikythera device. Oh, yeah. It's the ancient calendar that is, is bemusing uh, researchers. How mm. on earth did they make it with all those gears and stuff back in the Bronze Age? Or screwdriver. Bronze screwdriver. Yeah, it's mental. It's mental. Uh, so we've got the Antikythera device. We've got a Denisovan, a genuine Denisovan there in the front, in the foreground. Uh, yeah, yeah. We've got uh, one of the Moai heads poking up there behind oh, the yeah. history with Kaylee. And then we've got some sort of Mayan calendar circular in the middle and some cuneiform text in the background in the dark green. So cuneiform. So uh, Matt's can't even see mine, can you? No, but I, I imagine it's not as good as Lynn's. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to agree with Matt on the on this one. You're giving it to Lee? I think so, yeah. I like his use of... I like to think he drew that from scratch. He's, he stole it from the internet. Don't lie to me like that, Matt. <laughs> can't find my quill. Why is Phil, why is Phil uh, like wandering aimlessly around the tiny find, room? I can't find my quill. He's updated his computer, but not his writing implements. <laughs> Has anyone seen a quill? It's got a black, black feathered quill. Peter Quill. Oh, I might have to use a boring old biro. Oh, God. Crikey. All right, so Lee's, Lee's um, going to be the show artwork, and that means that the runner-up will be me for the YouTube thumbnail, mm-hmm. which is like so. So we need a, a title for this YouTube video. Um... Something to do with Dennis Ovens and hybrids or something? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Or ancient... Is it, is it, is it Dennis Oven your mum? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a backhanded insult. It's like, exactly, yeah. yeah. Your mum, so Dennis Oven, <laughs> when, when she goes into the cave... She brings a bead with it. Doesn't make sense, but uh, no. <laughs> uh, um, looking at Ben uh, wantingly and uh, <laughs> not getting anything. Get just nothing. Just, just I know, grunts. I every time, sort of this comes up. I think you oh, just uh, uh, no. You just sound like a hominin. Yeah, good. I'd rather be a hominin than a hominid. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I don't think yours is serious, Matt. I think we need a better title than that. 
um, that was actually a, a serious entry. <laughs> Is it Dennis Sullivan, your mum? <laughs> yeah, write it down. It be, I am writing it down. <laughs> that's to be sort of like a, a National Enquirer type headline, doesn't it? I'm, I'm starting to get the, the hang of it now. You think about um, it. More. Did Neanderthals start agriculture? I would not read past that headline. In the National Enquirer. Why would you not? Would you immediately not click aliens. on the video? I might start is uh, not the best word. Did Neanderthals commence? <laughs> Apotheos. <laughs> <laughs> create? Neanderthal Nucky in Denisovan territory. I'm going to go for create, unless I can think of something better. Agriculture. That'll do. We've got two possibles there. Something like that. All right, that's the uh, artwork gone. What else? How else can you become a producer? Join the Discord channel. Mm. Suggest uh, us some guests. Hmm. Yeah, well, there's a thread in the Discord there if you want to uh, mm. give us potential guest suggestions. We get some really good ones. Um, yeah. Actually, that reminds me of our mate good for, from last week. We, we need to make Zach a producer because he um, put us on to Nick Kenyon from last week. Oh, I So a mate good when we get down to the producer list for that. But yeah, Discord's a good place. If you want to send us links, um, sh- uh, what, videos, audio clips, for this memes. half of the show. Memes yeah. for Instagram are handy. Um, what else are we going to do on Discord? Can we request a birthday shout-out? Yeah. Uh, Helen from Bart, Bart she did last week. Correction. Uh, focus Chi. A Focus Chi request. So if you have a problem <laughs> that requires some Chi focusing in your direction, maybe you're, you're suffering from... Uh, depleted chi in the form of health condition like Maybe a bruised scrotum a bruised scrotum or a really bad hangover yeah maybe you're a youtube comment scammer who just can't get a click from people <laughs> you're just trying to trying to get people to click your scam links you can send some focus chi your way yeah i'm just i'm, I'm having to kick people out for youtube for uh, spamming us maybe you've got a job interview coming up or you're embarking mm. on a new career and you, you just want some focus chi. Whatever it is, whatever your given aim is, slip it in the thread in the Discord, and we <laughs> will endeavour to make that happen. And as a community, we will focus our chi in your direction for your given aim, and it is 100% effective so far. Well, yeah. you can't argue with the statistics. No. No. Works. Numbers never lie. the time. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, what else can you do? Memes, show artwork... Word of mouth. Um, maybe you're in multiple Discord channels. If there's threads there in other channels where you think our videos might add to the conversation, drop links in. Yeah, and cross post. Get the, yeah, cross post. Help us get the word in. Don't spam people. No. But, no. Um, it's all to help us grow and be, be more sustainable and uh, put things into action in the future. Plans. Big plans. Yeah. Um, what's the best way to become a producer? Oh, monetary. Toss us a coin. 
Toss a coin yep. to your witcher. Do it for the lads. 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 You know, because oh, we're northern and we're bloody miserable and the weather's fucking shit. Yeah, if you go to thearmersinquisition.com, you'll find a PayPal button there and you can give us a one-off donation, sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation and donations at the level of £50 or over grant you the status of executive producer for that episode. Oof. Which looks just absolutely blinding on your LinkedIn profile. Spiffing. Or your curriculum vitae. Would you not agree? I would absolutely agree. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we need your help. This is not a free podcast. It's a value for value podcast. And uh, if you get any value from it, please, if you can, uh, help return some value and help us pay for all the fucking equipment <laughs> and the running costs. There's a lot of it. Yeah. Only you fuckers out there can... Save Blockland. ...and keep the shit show running. <laughs> okay, I think it's time to thank the producers then, isn't it, for episode 218? I think it is time. It's time to big up the Mandems, yo. Okay, if we got, we have... Zach, Fred is good, Rich Man, Slicko, Helen, Bunyanuts, and Lee from The Big Conspire. Thank you, you're so amazing. They are. Yeah. So... Amazing in their love. Literally. The best mate. Building back better. Because I'm literally a communist. The dwarf. The currants. The grape. The homophobe. The winds. The asthma. The crumpup. Cunt. The number 11. The blind man. The fallen on the horizon. The cripple and the mother of. Money bickering. From hell. Milan. <laughs> <laughs> Never will. Yeah, thanks for your support for another week. Got loads of stories, loads of potential stuff to go through. And, you know, it's good if we can just sort of get to the point where we're just picking the cream. Yeah. I think that's like the uh, dream, okay. isn't it? It is. It is. We appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. And uh, is it time to do some <laughs> COVID news, do you think? We must be running out of COVID news. Now. I can't wait so we can finally let this go and we don't have to talk about COVID anymore. COVID 19 news. People have got to understand vaccination is going to be in the end. Your route to liberty. The magic vaccine. A big fat shot in the ass. From hell. Oh! You know, it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day and terminating mode life. It's not going to allow us to go completely back to normal. Anal swab tests in the same ballpark as seasonal influenza. Because we're getting bored and we want to have fun. I can't save you from not wearing a face mask. Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. Uh, one of the sort of big news stories earlier in the week, it seems that Savage Javid's rolling back on the mandate, doesn't it, for oh, NHS yes. workers? Yeah, you turn. Seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Has it been made official yet? The last I heard is that we're going to make it, they're announcing a consultation. Yeah, so I think it's a consultation. I don't, the last email I read about it at work, it just said um, it, it, they were still sort of, Firing everyone, basically. Hadn't been officially told of anything different. Didn't he have until the 3rd, which has already gone. passed? Yeah. 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 So it's gone now, that date. So I don't know. I, it's, I've not had anything official from, from my employer. So we'll see. Blimey. 
Yeah. I mean, but I think some people, I know some people in my team have kind of like got other jobs and stuff and they're yeah. going. So, yeah, they've already, I think damage has already been done. That's it. You well, can't U turn is... after, like, any time after now, really, because a lot of people, like you say, would have gone to other places or been told to sling the rock. Well, I think they've, yeah, they've applied for things and, you know, got better money or whatever. I think the thing that was, uh, I think got them to change their mind was when it came out about them, <laughs> all these doctors going to work in Wales and Scotland where it's not yeah. mandated. Um, and overseas as well. I assume there'll be some countries in some countries where you don't have to have it. Do you think that um, if people left the NHS, would they be able to work in private hospitals in the UK or subcontract back to the NHS? Yeah, would that have been an option? Maybe, I suppose. It depends on whether or not if they were mandating it, wouldn't it? I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was the case, whether like Booper and, and what have you. I'm guessing that's a private corporation and it's their decision. Yeah, they don't have to make it public, do they? And I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't think any private companies mandated the vaccine because I don't think, I think they're on shaky illegal ground. Is it not Pimley Cold Plumbers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that nutcase. <laughs> it's like, looks like Rod Stewart. Charlie. <laughs> no, isn't he the, um, the uh, Weatherspoons guy? He's another one, isn't he? That job. Yeah. Now, this one, the one that runs Pimley Cold Plumbers, he's like... Charlie Mullins, of, I think he's called. He's had loads of surgery and stuff, hasn't he? So all his face, you know, he's got, like, fillers and he's got, like, bleach blonde hair and a permatan. That's the way I'm remembering. It might not be him. Um, but I'm pretty sure that it came out, like, even before, sort of, like, there was murmurings of it being mandated in care homes and he came out and said, yeah, we're going to we're gonna do it. Yeah. So firing people, basically. It's like, uh, I'm pretty sure plumbers are in quite short supply in London. It's like, mm. uh, I wouldn't want to work for him, put it that way. No. no. Anyway, let's move on from the mandates. Um, Bojo is hanging on by the skin of oh. his teeth. Still. Because the, uh, the report came out, the Sue Gray report came out, and it was a fucking nothing burger. She couldn't, she couldn't print anything because it's all being investigated by the police now. And uh, he went and gave his, you know, he said leading up that as soon as the report's published, I will give a statement to the house. <laughs> and um, former, the last Prime Minister, Theresa May, the Maybot. Oh, yeah. Made, uh, a smackdown of an intervention. <laughs> Got it here. What the Gray report does show is that number 10 Downing Street was not observing the regulations they had imposed on members of the public. So either my right honourable friend had not read the rules or didn't understand what they meant and others around him or they didn't think the rules applied to number 10. Which was it? Yeah, she, she, she smote him. She did, didn't she? But you have to, you have to, join, you have to join our Discord and watch the video. Because the the venom and vitriol in her eyes as she's like staring at the back of his head, saying it, thinking you fucker, you got me sort of. Did he instigate the uh, what's it called? The coup against her. Yeah, 
I would imagine so. Be involved. He was, yeah, was definitely he... involved. A vote of no confidence, that's what I was looking oh, for. He's a snake, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, there was some story, I've not really followed it this week, about some photo the police have of him with a pint at his birthday party or something. <laughs> I mean, it's like, we all know now. We know what happened. <laughs> and that it was going on multiple times all the way through. Yeah. It's like, God, just... Uh, he's I relying think that, on a soldier saying, well, that's just Boris, isn't it? That's it's not to do with us. We can't do anything. No, no. It's the party. And the last I, the last tally I saw was 10 letters gone in. And it's 13 Ten le- now. 13 letters. 13 letters of no confidence. What's the magic number? Well, 13 publicly. Um, 54 is the... Magic hit. number? Yeah. For Graham so, Brady. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Who's the next leader going to be, do you think, if it happens? <sighs> Dishy Rishi, right? It'll be someone... I think it'll be someone we won't, we won't expect. I'm just Cheers praying. Star, <laughs> <laughs> I'm praying for... Um, John Major. <laughs> I'm praying for it not to be Michael Gove. Oh, uh, yeah. Why? Do you not think he's got star quality? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Well, it's funny you mentioned Gove. Let's, uh, let's just skip forward a minute. We'll just uh, take a break from the COVID news here for one second because, you know, for the last fucking... Since the election, we've been hearing about the levelling up. Levelling up, you know, from the Conservatives. It's all about levelling up. You know, they won the Red Wall, the heartlands of the Labour North on the... Because people in the North and different areas are sort of disenfranchised. They feel like the whole country is London-centric. That's where all the only investment goes. And this is the big plan, levelling up. We're going to have the Northern Powerhouse, levelling up, infrastructure, HS2, spaffing money to all you filthy Northerners. <laughs> and um, and it was just a, a, a catchphrase. That's all the substance what has been for it for yep. years, levelling yep. up, levelling up. And we finally got some information on the government's levelling up agenda this week as Michael Gove released the government's white paper explaining the plan. Can you wait? I can't. <laughs> Michael Gove's Levin Up plan is facing mockery after it emerged that parts of it appear to have been copied off Wikipedia. Uh, this is like the, um, what was that thing in the EU divorce thing when it was referencing Netscape? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Netscape <laughs> Navigator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the white paper released on Wednesday, he gave a statement to the House as it was released as well. Uh, the white paper released on Wednesday also contained glaring publishing errors with entire paragraphs repeated wholesale. Opposition parties said the document looked like it had been cobbled together in a rush and recycled from the internet and other government announcements. That's better. The white paper includes large sections of padding with three pages devoted to the history of Jericho, Rome and (laughs) and Renaissance Europe. Oh, my God. Yeah. I find that quite interesting. I'm going to read it because uh, Jericho fascinates me. It's one of the earliest cities, Uh, plus Rome, you know. Uh, But bits of this section appear to have been lifted directly from the popular internet encyclopedia. One offbeat part of the report reads, Constantinople was the capital of the Roman Byzantine Empire, 330 to 1204 and 1261 to 1453. The Latin Empire, 1204 to 1261, and the Ottoman Empire, 1453 to 1922. The text is identical to the first line of the Wikipedia page for Constantinople, right down to the formatting and and punctuation. 
Another section of the report includes a full-page timeline of the largest cities in the world since 7,000 BC. This is Why? the levelling up agenda. <laughs> They're going back to 7,000. I, I wonder if he consulted Kaylee about this. And now, oh, you know, yeah. we're going back to 7,000 BC to try and figure out why our trains are fucking shit in the north of England. <laughs> oh, my God, which is identical to a table on Wikipedia's list of largest cities throughout history. Elsewhere, paragraph about the history of the ancient city of Jericho is repeated twice on the same page. Apparently not caught by proofreaders. The content of the report was blasted by opposition parties for lacking substance, with Labour suggesting most of it had been repackaged, rehashed and recycled. In terms of policy substance... Oh, thank you. We're going to get some policy ideas. Thank goodness. Eight of the document's 12 missions are also the same as those included in Theresa May's industrial strategy, which was released four years ago and then scrapped by the government. Fuck. So... There you go. Just so po- it's just pointless, isn't it? Yeah. Pointless bluster and hot air. Yeah. Um, they, they they just want to stay in a job. Like, that's that's the career. They don't give a fuck about you or me no. or anyone else. It's mm. just a job. And mm. uh, the most dangerous part of the job is being seen to do something. Yeah, yeah some no. people can form opinions of you and your performance. Well, it means that you do things even though they're entirely ineffective and potentially counterproductive and may even end up costing people their lives. But it's better than doing nothing. You can't do nothing. Don't anyway. Do <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, let's move on um, in the COVID news. We had the uh, the PPE scandal this week. I've got a clip from Robert Peston. I was tipped off early this morning that there was a story in the Department of Health's uh, financial... Love it. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. He's not as he's not as drawn out as he used to. No, he used to be like half a minute pauses in the middle of sentences. Long term. Yeah. He's had to. Um, he's gone over to ITV. He can't sort of take his time like oh, he used yeah. to on you the BBC. Eat into the yeah, BBC is the gravy train, isn't it? It's, exactly. You know, yeah. It's not even your. Money. It's not real money, is it? It's just. <laughs> it's just milked. Milked yeah. from the taxpayer. It's like not based on any sort of performance, is it? <laughs> How one else can Gary Lineker earn two million pounds a year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. State statement for 2020 to 21. I got to page 199 <laughs> before I spotted it. Was somewhat buried away, and I'm going to actually show you the figures now uh, of 12.1 billion spent by the Department of Health on personal protective equipment. 12.8 billion pounds. In eighteen months, on, or in a year, on masks and gloves and overalls, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> important to realise because the word billion is bandied around a lot. Uh, the difference between a million and a billion is about a billion. <laughs> <laughs> it's so phenomenally different, a billion to a million, so much more. It's almost incomprehensible. There's a term for that. It's called an order of magnitude. That's it. It's yes. an order, at least one order of magnitude. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So 12.9 or 12.8, whatever it was. Uh, you know, that's the masks and the suits and the aprons that health workers, social care workers need to, to have kept themselves safe from COVID. A staggering 8.7 billion has been written off, has been lost right now. I, I make that about two thirds. Two thirds yeah. of the yep. spend, yeah, it's been lost. Let's give it up. 
Let's talk you through the detail of that. 600 670 million uh, of the PPE is useless. Uh, 670 million. Do you remember, do you remember 20 years ago, uh, or maybe it's 25 years ago, the big fuss about the Millennium Dome? Oh, yes. It costed billions. Hundreds of millions. You know, they said it was going to cost 100 million, and it's going to cost 250 million pounds. Same with Wembley. Mm. It was the same thing. It's like, uh, Mm -hmm. this is a drop in the ocean. This is just PPE. We're not even going to testing. Testing and tracing. No, this is just maths and fucking overalls. <laughs> <laughs> Hundreds of millions. It's just useless. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. defective. For all sorts of other reasons, it's just rubbish. Then we've got 2.6 billion of PPE, which is just not suitable for use within the health and social care sector. Now, the department says that it might be useful for other uses, although there's no... Why, what, cosplay? Two point seven billion, did he say? On on ass wipes. On stuff that's not suitable. Not suitable. Fuck's sake. Yeah. And uh well, we all know what a big component of all this is. It's who's who's jumping on the bandwagon, setting up companies. If you're a gov- if you work in the Department of Health and you get a bid in from a co- from a company that's existed for two weeks for a four hundred million pound contract, <laughs> I mean, I would say that's a bit sauce. Do your due diligence, don't you? You should do. Yeah, unless they're like giving you a nice, sweet, fucking brown envelope. <sighs> so corrupt. Of course, it is. We've seen it. It was the same with Mancock and his, his landlord mate. And we were throwing mm. bin bags of empty testing stuff into his backyard. I mean, it's... It was burnt, he burned a million, didn't he, or something in his back garden. Yeah, there was, returned. there was complaints of him burning the old test kit. Plastic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what that might be. And indeed, the, the its auditor says it's very uncertain what those uses might be. Anyway, 750 million of PPE is more than the department needs. So that's another loss. And then... I mean, they overshot what they would need by 750 million. Um, what's that in the context? That's probably only like, um, well, 10% would be 1.2 billion. So it's like a, like a 5% overshoot. I Not don't bad. think that's a big deal. No, it's all right. Bit of no. overage. Mm. Except, <laughs> finally, they paid over the odds to the tune of £4.7 billion. Pounds. Now, as- oh, they paid over the odds. That's because right. we said we want it, and we want it quick. We don't care. We don't yeah. care about quality. Well, we didn't say that, but we want it, and we want it quick, and, and it, we've just got shit, basically. And uh, you've got to remember the media swarm that was about in March and April of last of 2020, they were getting hammered by a crisis of lack of supply because guess what? The supply chain collapsed because the world shut down and we have no, we didn't have any manufacturing because we're, mm-hmm. we're waiting, you know, we rely on the slow boat from China for everything. Mm-hmm. And once that shuts down, oh, guess yeah. what? You've no, you've no way of making anything. So that's why you get bent over to pay over the odds, isn't it? Do you remember in the before times, there was a story about um, the army not having 
body armor and yes. things. Yeah. And having to buy their own boots. Yeah. That was a similar men. sort of froth around this PPE. Uh, you know, like you say in the media at the time, they're saying, oh, look at these doctors. They're, they're having to wear, you know, balaclavas instead of... And provide their own. Yeah. Go online to provide their own. They're being sent in harm's way, was the common perception. They're on the front line because, mm. you know, everything, all the language was militarised, wasn't it? It was. They're, yeah. on the fr- mm. they're on the front line in this war against a virus. And uh, we can't even give them the correct PPE. So, yeah, there was a huge froth, and that's why you pay over the odds. Uh, I think there's a little bit left. As you mentioned, I did a quick sum. That's about 14 brand-new hospitals could be built with that. If you add to it another uh, chunk of actually fraud losses on those COVID loans, that would pay the two sums for a whole year of fixing this record backlog in the NHS. To be clear... Okay, we were in a crisis. Mm. Um, And uh, you'll remember, if you go back to the spring of 2020, we were all acutely aware, and actually some would say this was the department's fault, they weren't preparing for a crisis, that there was just too little PPE available. They then went hell for leather to buy this stuff, but as the auditor basically implies, they did it in a completely incompetent way, and tons of our money has been wasted. Yeah, fortunately, it's you know when you're not spending your own money, it's uh, it's a lot easier, isn't it, mm. to make bad decisions. Uh, Boris Johnson reacted to this. This whole thing is 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 total rhubarb. Um, <laughs> that was the yeah. <laughs> yeah. rhubarb. I'm sure there'll be more stories of this nature to come out over the next couple of years. But um, Nadine Doris, the culture secretary has been doing the rounds. She's an ardent defender of Bojo the Clown. Yeah. And uh, two epic interviews she's done this week. I've got the first yeah. one. Which is the first one? Uh, the first one... I forget who it's with. I don't think it's the BBC. I think it's... Oh, it's Channel 4. It's Christian. And uh, this is the one where they accused her of being like Catherine Tate. It's glorious. <laughs> One of the things the Prime Minister said today in the House of Commons that was basically untrue, and clearly untrue, was his allegation that Keir Starmer was responsible for not prosecuting Jimmy Savile. How how can you have a Prime Minister just repeating fake news like that? Oh, I have no idea of the background of Keir Starmer, and I know it's that not he... It's true, and the Prime I Minister know. repeated it. It's an old meme that's just repeated by... Well, you know, there were things that Keir Starmer theorists. said that someone who was the former director of public prosecutions shouldn't have said at the dispatch box. He didn't say anything that wasn't true. He shouldn't have prejudged what a Met investigation was going to find. He didn't say anything that was untrue. Well, Boris I, Johnson said something that was untrue. He said things he that were inappropriate. the house today. I, I don't believe that's the case. Well, it, it is, what, you're saying that Keir Starmer was responsible I don't for know, I don't know the details. Well, that's what the Prime Minister said. Well, I don't, you haven't he shouldn't have said it, should he? Well, I think there are lots of things that Keir Starmer shouldn't have said. <laughs> it's not said. Wow. You've got to watch it, it's great. Well, there are clearly things that he said that aren't the true. Prime Minister now, whether, he was, the whether they were deliberate lies or not has yet to be established. But he's clearly said things to the House that were not true. The Prime Minister tells the truth. I don't believe that's the case. Well, it, it is what you're saying that Keir Starmer was responsible. I don't for know. Not I don't know the Well, that's what the Prime Minister said. Well, I don't, you haven't he shouldn't have said it, should he? Well, I think there are lots of things that Keir Starmer shouldn't have said. <laughs> well, there are clearly things that he said that aren't the true. Prime Minister. Now, whether he would, the whether they were deliberate lies. And the Prime Minister tells the truth. I think I was supposed to have like media training these MPs and things like that. 
she. You don't give a fuck. She don't give a fuck. True that. Oh, got Kalel back in the chat this week. There he is. I hit the thumbs up. That's good. Good. You got to hit the bell, haven't you? <laughs> you have to Painful. smash. You, you meant to, you don't hit the thumbs up. You smash, smash the like button and hit the bell. Do you? Yeah, I've been doing it wrong <laughs> all these years. <laughs> Is there no limit to his shame? <laughs> the prime minister tells the truth. This is such a crock of shit. All right, so that was a pretty, um, that was pretty Catherine Tate-esque. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she had a proper car crash with the BBC, Charlie State, a couple of days later. Let's move on to other issues. Have you spoken to the Prime Minister recently in the last 24 hours? Why? <laughs> <laughs> you on TV, love? It's an interview. It's a, it's a good start, isn't it? Why? Why? Why are you asking me that question? I'd like to know. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, on, we've, we've communicated. This is, a, this is an actual cabinet minister, by the way. Yeah, no. This isn't like just someone they've dragged off the street. This is a public representative of Her Majesty's government. To play devil's advocate, she's probably under a lot of pressure having to support a... A prime minister that's that's just an arse. <laughs> <coughs> Is there no limit to his shame? Uh, this is, I, I'm, not, I'm really confused. That difficult question. I'm just asking if you've spoken to the prime minister in the last 24 hours. We have communicated. Okay. What has he communicated to you? Well, that's that's. I'm not going to tell you the extent of my communications with the Prime Minister. I mean, I've answered your question. We have communicated. What is your next question? Do you think she's had, like, SAS training? It's like that Who Dares Wins programme, isn't it? You haven't to... There's certain information you're allowed to give. You're allowed to give your name, I think, and that's about it. Private first class. It's like... Irish Matt. Yeah, it's like she's been held somewhere. She's been detained and being played... What do they play? Is it rock music? Really loud in Boris, the, uh, Boris's parties. Yeah, and p- white, put the lights. Sometimes on. white noise as well, don't they? And white noise. Yeah, put you in straight. Put you in stress positions. Brown noise. What's his mood? I'd say his mood was um, very, very uh, positive, extremely positive. I mean, onwards is one of his favourite expressions. I think he's very positive. Has he changed? He's changed what? His attitude. To what? To the way he runs the government. We're told that he sent out messages saying that... I remember the quote him saying in the Commons, I've got it. I get this. Yeah, it was just... Uh, it went on and on. She just... Uh, obviously in the wrong frame of mind to be going on the premier BBC breakfast show. Yeah. In one of the... A period of time where... The government is under intense scrutiny for their behaviour. Mm-hmm. But you know you know the old adage, don't you? You know, you know the old adage, being a good, responsible COVID citizen is something we should all uh, aspire to. <sighs> and it yeah. seems like they, they haven't been. No. She could host the weas- weakest link. <laughs> she could, yeah. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Goodbye.
He does it now. It's Ramesh Ranganathan. Does he do it? Yeah, Ranganathan. Is he any good? Yeah, he's all right. I mean, I'm not an expert in The Weakest Link, but he seemed all right when yeah. I saw one episode. Yeah, good. good. All right. I don't know if Nadine Doris might be better, though. Be better. Did, did she go in the jungle? Was she on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here? Oh, shit. And there was I a controversy there be. because I think she had a book coming out or something. And it was like, oh, is this a second job going on? I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Seems to ring I a bell. There was something about her being paid while she was there, and mm. she was an M- she was a sitting MP, wasn't she at the mm. time? Yeah, it's grey area, isn't it? Mm. A bit like your balls, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> They're a purple area. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Um, I've got two clips from Question Time this week. Oh, it was the um, it was the one, wasn't it? This week. What do you mean the one? Yeah, the one. Which one? The one with the um, the adult of the his... filthy unclean. <laughs> Those guys, yeah. <laughs> what? No, they had the they had a special with um, they were looking for people who hadn't had the vaccine for in the audience to get, I guess, a, an opposing view to the standard one. It wasn't exclusively uh, unvaccinated people in the audience. No, I wouldn't have thought it would have been. She was definitely looking for some, I remember. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a couple of fun clips, the old uh, virus vaccine flub clips. This The first one is Tory MP Crispin Blunt. Now, it, it now appears uh, that the uh, evidence around Omicron and how much less lethal it is than uh, its predecessor uh, versions of the vaccine. Omicron. Now, it, it now appears uh, that the uh, evidence around Omicron and how much less lethal it is than uh, its predecessor uh, versions of the vaccine. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see. Oh, gosh. Yes, it's penny dropped. The lethal vaccine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't think he meant to say that. No, he didn't, did he? Yeah, and uh, two minutes earlier, this one is... Which one is this? Uh, oh, I didn't get his name. He's, uh, he's, he's chair of the NHS Confederation, and uh, I'm blanking on his name now, but um, he dropped this one as well in the same show. I just think that we need to be we need to be really clear about the individual responsibility. You have the individual right, absolutely, but you also have the individual responsibility to understand the consequences of that choice on other people. You are more likely to spread the vaccine. You are more likely to end up in in hospital. Uh, you are more likely to spread the vaccine. Let's see. <coughs> you didn't like them. Uh, did you not like them? Oh. I just said weird flex <laughs> from that guy. Kalel liked it. Five, count them, five laughing emojis. Five crying laughing emojis. Oh, sideways. <laughs> 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 well, guess what? I sent those two clips to the podfather, Adam Curry, this morning. The Adam Curry? The Adam Curry, the podfather, co-host of No Agenda, because mm. uh, he's collecting these. Because they happen every week, where people mix up vaccine and yeah. virus. Yes, and um, I got a reply instantly, uh, as usual. From Adam, Adam Curry is out of the office. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yes, love the Marmish Phil. Thank you for your courage. And I put the live stream on at five o'clock because I, I listen live to the to the Sunday show while I'm making the tea. 
I time making the tea so I can be in the kitchen uh, for five o'clock when no agenda starts. And they only bloody opened the show with those two clips. Oh, nice. Well done. So, um, producer, producer of No Agenda. Again. And I send him some ISOs. I think I send him, I sent him maybe four end of show ISOs. So, oh, I can't wait tomorrow to wait when I go to work and see if they picked any of my ISOs to end the show with. (laughs) Very good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was good. Uh, What else? What else? No, that is absolutely. This whole thing is 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 total rhubarb. I've got um, a crazy clip from this guy's called Ezekiel Emmanuel. Sorry, Doctor Doctor Zeke Emmanuel. Now he was a member of Biden's COVID task force before he was president. I don't know if he has any official capacity in the current administration. Uh, who knows? But he was. He's one of these spokesholes who appears on mainstream media to tell everyone, you know, how scared to be and whatnot. Be like your your mate JVT. Oh, I love JVT. You love JVT. Do you see him this week? I thought he'd I thought he'd stepped back from the limelight. He's gone but back he's, to the university, he's, I think. Yeah, but he's back in the fucking news this week saying, Oh, we're gonna win five three on penalties against COVID. Ah, uh, it's like crack, the limelight. Yeah, you can't help it. Anyway, this uh, this guy, Zeke Emanuel, is on MSNBC, and he said this, which made people's ears prick up. You know, kids are either going to get the vaccine or they're likely to get a serious condition of Omicron. You know, kids are either going to get the vaccine or they're likely to get a serious condition of Omicron. Wow. What would you, how would you, I don't know, how would you characterize that? Medical misinformation? <laughs> Fear-mongering? It's definitely fear-mongering, isn't it? It's not based on any kind of principle. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, it was that was like a a three-second clip that someone posted on Twitter because the original video of the interview has been removed from MSNBC's website, 404 ever. Astoundingly. Ah. Yeah. So in the week that, you know, the, the witches are well and truly out for Rogan, uh, for medical misinformation. This is what's getting piped into people's houses on the mainstream. So I thought it's important to... Fair point. You know, because you know the old adage. You know, you know the old adage, eat food, not too much, food. mostly. No, that is absolutely... This whole thing is is, <laughs> is total rhubarb. COVID. <clears throat> Plants. <laughs> Feces. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Dr. John. So, so uh, this Zeke guy, where, where is he now? What's he doing? Is he's is he just doing... a professor at university. Oh, okay. That's his like, official role, but he was in the Biden administration, well, the Biden uh, COVID task force prior to his election. I don't know if he has an official role now. I didn't get that far in my research because I don't need to research these lunatics, really. The point is, is that he's, on, he's, he's given a platform. On MS, yeah. MSNBC. Oh, what's the MS stand for in MSNBC? Microsoft, isn't it? Microsoft. Yes. Who fucking names a company Microsoft, man? <laughs> <laughs> should be massive hard. <laughs> yeah, it should be, yeah. Massive hard drive. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's all the COVID clips. Um, I'm keeping an eye on Israel. I don't know if anyone's... Uh, 
been looking at the COVID stats for Israel, but their deaths have absolutely spiked vertically. Are they on the wow. fourth jab? They've well, they funnily enough, they re- they they rolled out the fourth dose about ten days ago, and in the last ten days, the deaths have gone vertical. It's uh, surpassed all previous peaks in daily deaths in Israel. So maybe it's related to Omicron. I don't know. I don't know. It's something I'm going to track next week. I'm hoping mm. it's just a blip and it's not a like a worst fear kind of thing. But it's something to keep an eye on. Maybe it was just a, a hiccup or a reporting error. Backed up. Deaths reported. Who knows? But I thought I would mention that. What uh, what is the world going to track with this level of detail once once COVID's <laughs> over? <laughs> Climbing. I'd be you've got all Bingo! These, a, ding 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 ding. <laughs> there's a huge industry around just tracking COVID stuff now. Yeah. Well, all those jobs. What are they get? What are they going to do? Well, this is the thing, isn't it? With like the lobbying and stuff, it's not going to disappear, is it? Because people are making money out of it. Absolutely. Well, you know... We'll also have to learn to die with COVID. we just got to learn to die. With COVID, not of COVID. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Said it himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, have you been following the Canadian trucker protests? No, no. I just saw something... Uh, Jordan Peterson tweeted something, did he? Or oh, did he? Picture of it or something, yeah, maybe. It's a massive it's story. Words, it? It's about 50,000 truckers converging on Ontario. They've blockaded. Oh, yeah, you won't see it on the... There's, like, nothing. There's nothing on the news about it. What is it about? Mandates. Vaccine mandates. Oh, right, okay. So I think the rules are that if you're a Canadian trucker, obviously a lot of the freight goes across the border. Mm. Yeah. And the rules are that if you're coming back from the United States into Canada, if you're not vaccinated, you have to isolate for 14 days and give, you know, an anal swab test or whatever. <laughs> so it's essentially a mandate because you can't work. Mm-hmm. So uh, thousands of these trucks have just been, uh, yeah, that's it, Khalil. Like the day they were about, or the day before, oh, yeah. all these trucks were about to arrive in Ontario, uh, Justin Trudeau. Castro's love child decides to announce that um, he's tested positive and he's going to self-isolate for 14 days just to keep out of the way. That's what Boris did, didn't it, when Partygate first came out? Yeah. He, oh, he isolated because right. he had a mate who, or he'd come in contact with someone, even though that's mm. not the rule. Oh, yeah, uh, Trudeau, it, originally, it wasn't that he tested positive. He was isolating because he was a contact. <sighs> yeah, he's a snake, like the, all the rest of them. Politics. <laughs> you know, but... Yeah. And it, like... Well, I'm not going to say anything about the efficacy of certain medical interventions if he's had three doses and still got it, but, you know, whatever. Um, so, what was interesting, someone... Uh, who was it in the Discord? Rich man in the Discord posted a video and it was some guy with a, a camera and he was videoing the CBC, the Canadian Broadcast Corporation, setting up for a shot of this protest. And you see the camera crew in front of them and they're there by the side of the road setting up a shot looking towards the road towards a couple of trucks that are parked up and maybe a dozen protesters. And the the guy holding the phone saying, look, this is what they're showing you. This is the CBC setting up their shot. And he turns around, 
thousands and thousands of people there protesting. Then he starts walking through them all. Jeez. It's like, can we not see what's going on here? It's you're being uh, you're being misinformed. This is and cherry picking. The CBC is the equivalent of the BBC. It's state run. I think it's state run public broadcaster. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was an interesting uh, video. It's there on the. Um, I think it's in the videos section of the Discord channel. If you want to check it out. Yeah. I'll check that out. Mm. Well, you know... We're just trying to keep people safe. People safe from misinformation. Yeah. Uh, got some bad news for Mark Zuckerberg this week. How are we on for oh, time? Oh, what time are we on? Uh, uh, half ten. Give over. Already? <laughs> Shit. All right. You you were in the wrong uh, Zoom meeting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, bad news for Zuckerberg this week. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg saw $29 billion wiped from his net worth when Meta share prices collapsed following its latest quarterly report. Mm. Shares of Meta dropped nearly 25% in after-hours trading after the firm announced lower-than-expected revenue figures as well as a decline in Facebook users for the first time in its 18-year history. Wow. Mm. How long has it been around? 18 18. years, you say? Mm. The number of daily active Facebook users fell by 1 million to 1.929 billion. (laughs) That's a bit of a drop in the ocean, but the trend is what's concerning. With the company blaming competition from rivals like TikTok and YouTube. It's time for a MySpace revival, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Tom? Where's Tom out? Exactly. Uh, Meta's chief executive, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, said... The teams, <laughs> the teams are executing quite well, and the product is growing very quickly. The thing that is somewhat unique here is that TikTok is so big a competitor already, and also continues to grow at quite a fast rate. God, you're getting nailed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How many users does uh, TikTok have? Good question. Let's have a look. Not me. <laughs> Do you use it, use TikTok? Why not? I, can't, I don't understand it. <laughs> <coughs> Is that uh, who started TikTok? It was was it Chinese? A billion, it ten cent. TikTok has a billion. A billion, yeah. And Facebook's got one point nine. Is it one point nine? Facebook. According to that, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's... Oh, should we move on? Yeah. You need to get a dog, Matt. Yeah, you do. Why? Dogs will know apocalypse <laughs> is coming first and will try to warn us, say experts. An expert has said that dogs will be aware of a zombie apocalypse before humans and they'll try to warn us. Obviously. What kind, what kind of expert is this? Dr. Cameron Carlson of the, Jum- of the Zombie Research Society. <laughs> says people should, should listen to their pet pooches if they're to stand a chance in an undead uprising. He said if that your dog starts acting a little strange, then you better follow their lead 
and get suspicious yourself. Dr. Carlson said that their powerful senses mean that they'll be able to smell the undead a mile off, wow. maybe even before the first one rises. Don't know how that works. <laughs> Dr. Carlson said, the one animal that we will see given us signs about what to do will be dogs. Dogs are extremely sensitive to changes in the environment and changes in the physiological state around them. Since we are in contact with dogs so much of the time, any change in that environment is going to set them off. Dogs. Yeah. So you need to get one, Matt. What are you doing? Uh, you on your phone? Looking. Are you on dogstrust.com? Just on the, on the, let's get on the top the one. Live chat. The live chat. Oh, we've got another uh, spammer. Salad is a troll. Blocked. He's dead to us now. <laughs> yeah. He's dead Salad to the position. Yikes. Yeah, dogs, man. What are cats going to do in all this? Assist in Come the rising. themselves as usual. Absolutely. It's scavenge off your corpse. After number one. <laughs> yeah. Eat um, your face first, I think. We've had this argument before. <laughs> we have, we have, yeah. You think it's you think it's face because of salted tears. I, I do. Yeah. I think it's arsehole. Because of the the meaty juices. <laughs> <laughs> can, they can smell the bolus. <laughs> the delicious bolus. Apparently apparently that is I've read something about this. And maybe it was you telling me <laughs> when you when you're dead and you start to decompose. You start to leak out of your ass, so yeah, that's what, what they go for. There they go. You know where the good stuff is. Mm. Well, I'll be sure to remember that. <laughs> well, in the zombie apocalypse, hopefully your cat will have the decency to let you die first before it eats your asshole out. I never know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it, put it past it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, owner of house with 25-foot great white shark sticking out of its roof hits out at calls to give it protected status. Because it's a shark? Yeah. The owner of a house in Oxford that has a huge shark sticking out of the roof is protesting plans to make it a listed building. Uh. Bill Heine. <laughs> Bill Heine installed the statue on the top of his house as a protest against planning restrictions and censorship in 1986. After the shark was secretly positioned on the roof, Mr. Heine began a six-year planning row with the local council, council before passing away in 2019. His son, Magnus Hansen Heine... Epic. <laughs> What's a Hansen Heine? Is that like the apotheosis of Heine's? <laughs> Is it like a Jim Jim Henson Heine? Henson you Heine. <laughs> His son Magnus Hansen Heine is adamant the building dubbed the Shark House or Headington Shark in a reference to the local area should not be added to the Oxford City Council's list of important pieces of heritage. The council is asking residents to comment on 17 potential new additions to the Oxford Heritage, Heritage Asset Register with one of the proposed sites being the Shark House. Jeez. We've never heard of this. Have you seen it? I think I've seen a photo I, of it. Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's quite well known in the area. Lena or Lena. Um, sorry, I missed your uh, chat yesterday about the Discord. It's in the show notes. 
If you want to join the Discord, it's in the show notes. It won't be in this one yet because we're doing it now. But if you go to any of the previous videos, uh, the Discord link is there. I did uh, I did a stream test last night to see if the system would work and then uh, did some uh, recording clips and pre-production with the live, live, live stream, the live stream running. <laughs> And uh, Lena was asking, where do we get ours? Did you get in the Discord? What's Discord? Hey, what? And uh, for some reason, it didn't come through. Oh, odd. It came through to Discord. <laughs> it came through to Discord, but not through to uh, here. So mm, Strange. So there you have it. It's in the show notes. Yeah. So he he put the shark up for his protest because the planning, planning committee wouldn't let him do what he wanted. And now the planning committee is saying he can't take it down. <laughs> So We're trying to fight for it to not be taken down. The house always wins. I mean, he just um, he was he was yeah he was protesting against planning laws, mm. so it was like a statement. But this thing has become sort of synonymous with the area. It's a famous landmark now, yeah. so the council is considering putting it on there <laughs> in the heritage list. Jeez. It's, it's incredibly ironic, really. Yes, and the council make money from that because it draws tourists into the area. Yeah. He should take it down as soon as possible. It's a big fuck you to the council. Yeah. I mean, there's some engineering goes into that, you know. Oh, yeah. It won't be papier-mâcher. <laughs> no. Well, there's actually like a hole in the roof that it looks like it's burrowed in. Like it's been it's flown up into the sky and, and then torpedoed into the roof. So It's like the dorsal fin and dividing wall in the, into, <laughs> into the wall in that house. No, should be. Yeah. Shark news. Yeah. It's time for one last story. And finally. And finally. Are you feeling uh, squeamish? I am not. Always. Thai man completely amputates own penis with scissors during <laughs> cannabis fueled psychotic episode. Oh, cannabis. It's a gateway drug to penis loss. <laughs> Seems to be. A Thai man suffering a cannabis-fueled psychotic episode completely amputated his own penis with a pair of scissors, doctors say. The 23-year-old's amputated penis was deemed too dirty and fragile for reconstruction, <laughs> leaving him with a penile stump and requiring surgery to allow him to urinate. Doctors from Chiang Mai University's Department of Emergency Medicine wrote in the Journal of Medical Case Reports. They said that while there have been around 100 cases of male genital self-mutilation from psychiatric disorders or substance-induced psychosis over the past two decades, self-amputation of the penis during cannabis-induced psychosis has rarely been reported. Well. It's a one-off. I think the most disappointing thing about that is having your penis described as too dirty and fragile. <laughs> <laughs> In this case report, we highlight a psychotic condition induced by recreational cannabis use leading to penile self-amputation in a different manner. The Thai man, who denied any previous self-harm or psychiatric issues, had smoked cannabis for two years previously and had stopped for three months at the time of the incident. I'm wondering if that's, uh, you know, tolerance, loss of tolerance. Well, and then he smoked again and cut it off. He'd, he'd stopped smoking for three months. What, uh, what else had he been doing in that three months? <laughs> We'd all be cutting our penises off if, it was, if there was a direct link between them. <laughs> Wouldn't be news then, though, would it? <laughs> no. After smoking two bongs or about two grams of cannabis, he developed an erection 
without sexual stimulation, felt a severe persistent sharp pain in his penis and reported that his glands looked distorted. Intending to eradicate the pain, he decided to trim the penile skin several times and completely amputated his penis himself using scissors. He reported awareness throughout the process. Fuck the pain away. (laughs) After two hours, the bleeding had not stopped and the man was brought to hospital. There was active bleeding at the penile base and about five centimetre lacerated wound at the scrotum, the doctors wrote. Fucking hell. The remaining penile stump was two centimetres in length with... Big lot then. <laughs> yeah, big lot. Yeah. The remaining penile stump. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> yeah. Lucky lottery winner. <laughs> imagine being able to cut your dick off and it still be two centimeters long. I can't, I can't imagine. Uh, how can you describe a two centimeters long as a stump? <laughs> Stood, more I mean, like. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a stud, it's a stud stump. I wonder what the girth situation is now. Seeing as he's packing heat. Optical illusion. The remaining penile stump was two centimetres in length with loss of the whole penile skin. The amputated <sighs> distal part of the penis. You mentioned how his penis was too dirty. And fragile. (laughs) The amputated distal part of the penis was contaminated with ants and had had fragile dorsal veins. A urologist was consulted for surgical intervention and the distal distal penis was deemed fucking useless. (laughs) He just rolled his eyes. (laughs) It's the next one. Too dirty and fragile for reconstruction. Fuck. I call... Bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) You think this is like the frozen nipples all over again? Uh, It might be. The whole thing might be bullshit, or there's definitely something else going on, and that Thai man was a troubled Thai man before the cannabis use. Something else going on. I'm no expert, Matt. (laughs) What's your experience of penile amputation? I've I've spoken to one person who was threatening to do it, yeah. But that was for a different reason. What was the reason? It was... uh, Fucking useless. Never get to to use it anyway. Might as well just lop it off. So the Shania Twain Uh, argument. What's the Shania Twain, obviously? Man, I feel like a woman. (laughs) I can't believe you kiss your cock at night. (laughs) I know, it does sound like that, doesn't it? It does. That's what she sings. Hmm. Go on, what's the reason? Why would someone threaten to cut the penis off? Well, for that guy, he didn't. He wanted to be a woman, basically. Oh, right. He was, he was a woman. Right. Yeah, I guess. He, he wasn't just bonged, bonged out of his head. He didn't have two bongs. Two bongs. No. Yeah, so that was an interesting person to talk to. Yeah, sounds it. So, uh... Penis amputations, is that is that where we're leaving things tonight? I'm going to have to. Nightmare fuel. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh, don't have nightmares. Sorry. No. Uh, yeah, there was more. We got some stories today, but, you know, yeah. like... Um, 
the US Mexican border, they're uh, they're starting with the DARPA dog robots. Oh, they yeah. start deploying <laughs> them. Black Mirror. Oh, yep, Excellent. on the US uh, Mexican border. That'll be interesting. Thing uh, about those is they can't smell a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, you need a, a regular dog for that. Yep. One with uh, a nose. <laughs> I bet they could put some sort of sensor on it. Yeah, but it'd be shit. Like an Amstrad nose or something. Oh, we had to have Zeus at the vets this week. Oh, uh, so so oh no! So poor. His, his tiny oh. little legs. He was licking his 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 hind leg constantly. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh god, there's something wrong here. Mm-hmm. So uh, we inspected it. Bit of glass. Yeah, it's like yellow pus. Oh. And uh, so we got him to the vets, and we have some ointment to ad- administer. Baron. And uh, he tries to bite you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he tries to bite my missus when she applies it. Why? 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 This is an idiot. <laughs> I guess it hurts. <laughs> I mean, he's not trying to. I mean, if he wanted to bite you, he would bite you. You yeah, wouldn't be able to stop it. He's, you know, he's, it's like he's saying, "Get the fuck off me." Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I, I, I applied it today. He was like, "Whatever." <laughs> <laughs> alpha. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's got, it's got so poor. But the problem was, mm-hmm. you know how they they stop the dog from licking. Uh, the cone, the cone of shame. He had to wear the cone of shame. It was like a fucking meter wide. <laughs> it was like smashing it on everything. It was getting. He couldn't even walk into the house from the back door. We had <laughs> getting stuck on the floor on the step and bish bash smash wallop fucking everywhere with a oh, sodding no. cone on. Yeah, jackets for him now. Can't you? Well, he won't cover his paw. That's a... Well, we we tried using socks. We used one of the kids' socks. And uh, it just comes off. So then we tried the sock with masking tape round it to keep it on. Nah, having this off, just take it off. <laughs> Stop him. So uh, he had to, he's had to wear the cone of shame a couple of days while I've been at work. It's, uh, I think we're over the worst of it now. He's not been bothering it. That's good. And it's only when we he's on his own. Yeah. So uh, most of the day he's because I think it's it's kind of cruel. I don't I didn't, I didn't like having to put it on him. <laughs> The cone. I put, no, I put the cone on him. On I think it was on Thursday before I went to work. I was sitting outside on back step with a brew on a fag, and he comes out with me, and I just sniff around, and he was just sat in front of me, fucking whining with his cone on, <laughs> and he doesn't whine. And I yeah. thought, oh, this is no good. We can't be doing this. Nah. Oh. But do the ends justify the means? Maybe they do. Oh yeah. In it this case, it stops it from getting worse, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess maybe. As he, as he isn't a human, a hominin, mm. maybe it does, because he doesn't know any better. Whereas uh, mm. us humans need to be able to make our own decisions about our <laughs> medical treatments. <laughs> I think that's a good place to leave it. That was like a proper Nick Frost. Nick Frost, what was the uh, crime watch guy? It was more a uh, Jerry Springer, I think. <laughs> How did he used to finish? Springer's final thought. <laughs> right, we'll be back okay. next week. Next yeah. Sunday, 8 o'clock. Can't remember who it is. If you want to find out, join the Discord and you'll find out tomorrow. Do it. Share the love, share, share the links and uh, tell people about this and if help us grow. Uh, if you're going to cut your dick off, don't get it near some ants. <laughs> okay, Wakanda forever. Build back photo.
have to learn to die with covid what did you do with big chungus well he's dead so uh you know in general you always have to be careful we're just trying to keep people safe you know you know the old adage applehood and mother pie i've been coming to terms with the fact that i am fucking vegan you know you know the old adage you're not just irresponsible i mean you're an idiot Strategy to mobilize true international pressure. That is just ludicrous. Come on, man. The Prime Minister tells the truth. No, that is absolutely this whole thing is 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 total rhubarb.